This is the voice of the Report of the Week, signing on. And hello, ladies and gentlemen, everyone listening. This is VORW International, the voice of the Report of the Week. Very happy Thanksgiving to anyone and everyone who is tuned in right now. This Thursday, the 28th of November 2019, the year being. Welcome to the newest edition of VORW International, the voice of the Report of the Week. Someone was asking, they sent in an email, they said, what does VORW stand for? That's exactly what it stands for. It's an abbreviation for Voice of the Report of the Week. V-O-R-W, Voice of Report of the Week. So there you have it. That's the secret behind the name. It's just a nice little abbreviation for letters versus the whole the whole deal, so it's just a little easier to remember. Even if it's not a real word, it's uh, just that. That's why the name is uh, what it is, and it's stuck, so that's uh, I have no problem with it either, but that's the story behind the name. Well, welcome to the Thanksgiving edition, the uh, big Thanksgiving blowout of a show right here, and uh, welcome one and all. Freeform talk program, another miscellaneous one. People have really, really been enjoying the freeform shows. I'm happy to go for it, so we're just going to do another one. Uh, Starting things off, since it is indeed a very festive occasion, how about we get some thoughts on Thanksgiving? So let's just go right into things. And a very happy Thanksgiving to everyone who is checking in right now, to everyone who's tuning in. A happy Thanksgiving Day, Thanksgiving 2019. The uh, big, the big thanks of, of giving, Thanksgiving Day. And uh, here we are, though, still doing a show, still uh, recording, broadcasting, getting it out the 28th of November 2019. One of the, uh, one of the later Thanksgivings, I'm pretty sure. You know, very, very close to December time is just going by, but... I'm past that point where it's even worth worrying about anymore. You know, it is what it is. Time will just do its thing, and that's it. (laughs) Yeah, December, but I figure, hey, the good news is that if it's going so fast, then uh, I'll be able to enjoy a little bit of the winter, but then before you know it, it'll be spring, and the weather will be a little warmer once again, which I prefer the warmer weather. I know everyone's, everyone's different. And that's completely understandable. We all have our preferences, uh, what we like, what we don't like, what we're most comfortable with. But now the Thanksgiving show. I'm not. I'm not really. Thanksgiving is one of those days that. Let's just let's just put it this way. Uh, even as as of a few days ago, I forgot that Thanksgiving was this Thursday. So that's kind of my. Uh, that that tells you how much I'm really. I'm going to be doing for, for Thanksgiving right there, if I, if I forgot that it even happened. But either way, I'm just going to take things a little easy today, do a little more of a laid-back program, because I know not a lot of people are going to listen, and that's fine. And I'm just going to monologue for a while, just going to talk about some various things, and then we'll open up the uh, the metaphorical mailbag once again, and we'll go from there, and we'll see what we have what we don't have, what's there at all, and then we'll wrap things up. But either way, look, I hope you're having a good Thanksgiving if you're tuned in. 
if you tuned in after the fact, then I hope your Thanksgiving celebrations were good. I hope it wasn't wasn't too crazy. I hope it was enjoyable. I hope the food was satisfactory. And I hope that all expectations were either met or exceeded, and there was no undue stress or uh, any of that. I hope, I hope it was just a nice day, a nice, pleasant holiday. Or maybe you can catch up with some family or some friends and take a few moments to reflect on the things that you're thankful for as well. That's the that's what it's all about. Either way, though, last year, I will talk about Thanksgiving for a while. Why not? Yeah, Thanksgiving Day. Even though I don't do all that much for it, I know that it's a big deal for a lot of people. Of course, while you have the stress and the strain and all that, which when when my family used to do the stu- the stuff for Thanksgiving, right now now we don't. I mean, my whole family we're just kind of right. It's Thanksgiving just is what it is. It's just another day um, because those feelings that you know that that it's all about can be harbored any day. It doesn't need to be on a special day, but. Again, everyone's circumstance is different, and for many, it's just a good opportunity to see relatives, uh, you know, meet with family, friends, uh, you know, see people who you haven't seen in a while, right? Nothing wrong with that. Do some Thanksgiving traveling, etc. So everyone's different, and I get that. Um, but yeah, when it comes down to Thanksgiving, for me, it was always, it was a very stressful day. And the thing that I always ended up being most thankful for was the fact that at the end of the day, I can say I'm so thankful that at least I've got another year till this happens again, um, because it was a very, very stressful day, for me anyway. Um, but, but nowadays, I mean, with that not going on anymore, I can really, I can reflect on the things that I'm truly thankful for. And, you know, very thankful for my loved ones, family, very thankful for the fact that even in the world today, with all the evil, all the bad things, bad people, bad mindsets, bad ongoings, misdeeds, that there still is good out there, that that there still are good people. That there still are individuals with a good heart, a good mind, who want to do the right thing, who want to make this world a better place. I'm very thankful for the fact that such people, such mindsets even still exist. I'm, I'm really thankful for that. Of course, in a little more of a selfish note, I'm, I'm thankful for the fact that with my accident earlier in the month, that it wasn't that it wasn't any worse. That despite whatever is going on now, the fact that I didn't die, that I didn't get any severe brain damage, any paralysis, any significant, uh, you know, broken bones, you name it, I'm really, really thankful that things just ended up as they did. And for many other things, you know, but one thing that I always recommend 
on Thanksgiving, regardless of whatever it is that you're doing and how crazy a day it might be, is to just take a, a minute in, in private reflection and just think about the things that you are thankful for. Uh, you know, whatever it is that you've been thinking about lately that, you know, keeps you from completely, perhaps, dwelling on the dark side. Uh, you know, that that keeps you going, right? Just think about those things, and it doesn't even need to be on Thanksgiving any day, really. You know, just take a few minutes in, in just reflective meditation and just think about the things that you're thankful for. I think it's a good thing to do every now and then, not just on Thanksgiving. Because I think in the grand scheme of things, it, it, it puts everything in perspective. So, that's all that I ask. Otherwise, have a good, have a good holiday. And, uh, yeah. Thanksgiving dinner. Of course, aside from, you know, catching up with family or friends or any of that. Uh, of course, the, the most, the biggest highlight of Thanksgiving for many is the Thanksgiving feast. The Thanksgiving dinner. Your turkey dinner, or a poultry substitute, and uh, the big, the big meal. We always used to prepare a, a great big turkey, and uh, you know it was one of those things. It was a process because I'm not, as it is, I'm not the biggest turkey eater. Like I can't even name another day in the year where I would go and eat like turkey, you know, as you do on Thanksgiving, right? You can have a turkey sandwich, like a, a turkey BLT. That's, that's what I would go with sometimes. But those are always like the deli meat cuts of turkey. But on Thanksgiving, you have, you know, these great big slices of it and all the other parts of the bird, if you wish, and the way it's prepared and whatnot. I've never really had it like that any other day than Thanksgiving. And that's the one thing I remember with, with Thanksgiving. Would always make me realize how dry a bird turkey really is. It's like the meat. It can still be juicy, but, you know, it has like this dry characteristic to it. But it would still get your appetite going, don't get me wrong. When when you would start preparing this thing, and you have to cook it in the oven for like eight hours, it's just this extraordinary period of time. It's a process, but you know, you're watching it cook, you're putting the herbs and the seasonings on it, and whatever it is, and the stuffing and so on. Hey, even if the meat isn't something that I'm usually a fan of and it's not something I would normally eat, uh, by the end of the day, you're, you're looking forward to it. You are. Now, otherwise, I'll still get turkey. I'll still eat turkey, but again, just not in the way that I would on Thanksgiving. You know, I mean, the other week I went over to Panera Bread and I got the turkey sandwich from there, but again, those are like the deli meat cuts of turkey. I remember on the Amtrak train, the Northeast Regional, when I used to ride that in, in and around the Northeast, they, on their cafe car, it wasn't the dining car, it was just the cafe car, 
they had like this turkey it was i think it was a turkey blt wrap and it was like it was okay again it was like deli food but it was fine like in that in that case turkey doesn't bother me but it's just otherwise if it's not thanksgiving i'm just not going to go out and eat these 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 great big slices of turkey for any other any other reason really and then one other tradition that has since passed it used to be on christmas i would eat the goose and i was going back of course a long ways but the thing with goose was that it was a very very fatty bird and i would always be just be a little too much for me kind of reminds me of how i would feel after i would go to long john silvers it's just it's it's too fatty a meal even for all the the stuff that I put in my in my body, sometimes you still just reach that that peak. It's just too much, and I've I've gotten those feelings before. So, no goose is just a little too much for me. But turkey is okay. Just every now and then, when it's not on the sandwich, when you're kind of eating it by itself. But I mean, the one thing that was always my favorite on Thanksgiving it was never even the turkey. You know, that's the centerpiece. The turkey is the thing that everyone eyes up. The other day I was watching Trump do the presidential pardon of the turkeys. You know, that silly tradition, but it's a nice little break from things anyway. It's a little more on the wholesome side. I, I always I always watch the, the presidential pardon of the turkeys every year. Just I do. It's something something to do, something to watch. Um, but obviously the turkey is the, the focal point. That's the, that's the thing that's outlined, that's highlighted as being the signature star of every Thanksgiving feast. But I think my favorite, and I think many others can perhaps say the same, wasn't the turkey, but it was the stuffing. Yeah, the stuffing, that was always my favorite part. And not, and, and it was always the stuffing that was inside the turkey too. That was always the best. But now they say don't do it anymore. They say don't. You know, you can get sick from that. And that was the best part, too. That's the one. Oh, man, that stuffing was the best. Easily. You know, without without question. So now they say not to do that anymore. Right, because they say the stuffing is porous and that it can kind of soak up the raw, um, the, the raw juices and make you sick, but I don't know. I remember I always used to have a pretty good track record not getting sick from that, but I, I guess it's like the same type of deal, you know, like uh, with uh, cookie dough. Man, that cookie dough, I used to love, you know, and I wouldn't eat a mu- I wouldn't eat much, just a tiny little piece, you know. When I was young, I was a little, little, little tiny morsel of it. And the raw cookie dough, it always did taste good. It was a forbidden snack. No, not not as bad as what some people say, but always tasted good too. But then, of course, they always have the concerns with salmonella and saying, don't do it. Right, don't do it if you value your life. Uh, if you at least don't want to be in a world of misery for a little while, uh, don't snack on it. So, it is what it is, but I always used to enjoy the flavor of that. Just a tiny bit. In, in moderation, it was always good. I guess they say not to eat the 
stuffing that's in the turkey anymore, but that was the best thing about Thanksgiving. I, I, I remained steadfast that the stuffing inside of the turkey was the best part. I mean, that was, had the most flavor. It was, it was always the best. So, I mean, we'll keep the discussion about Thanksgiving dinner going for a little bit, but just a question for anyone who's, who's listening today, uh, write in v-o-r-w-i-n-f-o at gmail.com uh, for a Thanksgiving dinner. What was your favorite component of it? What was your favorite part? And if you want, what was your least favorite too? So like, do you like um, the turkey? Is that your favorite? Um, do you like the stuffing? Do you like the little dinner rolls? <laughs> You know, are you a bigger fan of the mashed potatoes, or do you like the cranberry sauce, or, you know, do you go an unconventional route, and do you just get Chinese takeout for Thanksgiving dinner, and, you know, do you like that the best? I mean, uh, on a Thanksgiving dinner, like, what's what's your favorite part of it? What it could be conventional, could be unconventional, it's totally fine. What's your favorite, and then what, what's your least favorite also? Uh, just a Thanksgiving-themed question, why the heck not? Let's Let's send the show into the holiday spirit. And, uh, yeah, what's your favorite part of the Thanksgiving dinner? What is it? Let me know. It's a simple question, and it could require a simple or complex answer. However you want to answer it, just talk if you want anything. Love to hear from someone. V-O-R-W-I-N-F-O at gmail.com. That's V-O-R-W-I-N-F-O at gmail.com. But I think I've... I've said many a time that I enjoy the stuffing that's in the turkey. The least favorite part of a Thanksgiving dinner, in the traditional sense, is the cranberry sauce. I I was watching uh, the the news. I think it was called World News Tonight on ABC, because I found this news program that at least they're on all night and they give some news, and I like watching that. It, 3 a.m., and they had a segment, they were saying that the vast majority of people don't like the cranberry sauce, and I find myself, I'm part of that camp also, I don't like the cranberry sauce. I don't know what it is, it's just, it's got like that overwhelming, I guess, tart nature to it that's just a little too much, and I'm not a fan of it, so... Yeah, the cranberry sauce is definitely my least favorite. Yeah, and that's the one thing that I would kind of, I would always bypass. I would always get a little little bit on my plate just to make it look like I was interested in it. Uh, avoid any weird looks and just, you know, fake it till you make it. <laughs> uh, but the cranberry sauce was never, never the highlight. But obviously every... Meal, you know, is prepared differently, has its individual touches and characteristics and, you know, bits of personal flair here and there. So I think as a result, the flavors can be different. And uh, we have our favorites, we have our least favorites, but I'd be interested in knowing yours. Uh, Once again, V-O-R-W-I-N-F-O at gmail.com. Last year... I vehemently opposed Thanksgiving uh, to the point 
where some people, and I understand, I get it, were at their wit's end. And they said, you know, can you just... Oh, they were... Some people were fuming. They said, you know, you're killing the holiday spirit. You're ruining it. And uh, you're just a terrible... I remember they said a terrible show. They were they were angry. Um, but granted, I think I was a little harsh on the holidays. I think I was a little bit uh, harsh on on you know how I feel about it. Because while you can be opinionated, anyway, this is my personal belief. This is my you know, my personal ideology, while you can be opinionated about something and, you know, you feel this way or that way about something, just because someone feels differently, right, or does something differently, uh, doesn't mean that they're, a, you know, that, that they're a despicable person outright. It doesn't mean that they're really doing some irreparable harm where they're, they're doing something so ghastly it's it's not it's not like that just because i might not be a big fan of the holiday culture doesn't mean that anyone who partakes in it is is doing something bad no not at all so that's the one thing i have my viewpoint on it right where it says sometimes the stress, because we feel like we're forced to do this or that on a specific day, takes away from the true intended meaning and the feelings that I think should really be expressed on such a day. It takes away from that, diminishes that, and uh, just makes it into a mess many a time. Not always, but I just feel like this sense of of obligation that it has to be this way and you have to do this and you have to do that. And it has to be this, that, and the other thing or else, you know, whatever. Uh, hell is just going to open up and, and it's going to be misery and... Right? I just don't... I disagree with that. But... You know, this year, the, the difference is that while I still have those same exact feelings as I did in previous years, at this point, I just shrug and I'm just like, look, I don't care anymore. I don't care what anyone else does, you know, let it all, let it all go downhill. What, is, what, what does it matter anymore? It doesn't. Sitting here and complaining about it. It's not going to do anyone any good, so why bother? Doesn't what, what does it matter? Let people do whatever they want. If they're not hurting others, if they're not harming others, it doesn't matter. I'm not going to waste the time. So, yeah, it is It is what it is. I don't know. It just doesn't. Do whatever you want. And celebrate Thanksgiving however you want to celebrate it. Whatever you want to do. If you don't want to be thankful for a thing, that's on you. I think we all should be, but I'm not going to sit here and try and verbally force your hand anymore and, you know, try to say, do this and don't do that and think this and think that. <laughs> no, no, we're done with that. You do you, but at least in the back of your mind, try to be the best you can be.
And that's as far as I'm going to go nowadays. It's just, you know what you've got to do. Because, I mean, that ideology came about, and it's not, look, it's not a positive outlook necessarily, but sometimes it's just hard to see it any other way. Where it's just, I remember for a long time, I would try and try and try to give these lectures, not commanding, um, but, but trying to trying to expose different viewpoints and, you know, get people to at least consider certain things. And I still do that to this day. It's just that I try not to be as forceful. I try not to say, like with Thanksgiving, that, you know, like I was saying last year, the way that it's done in society, I think, is all wrong. And that, you know, you can still celebrate it, but you should feel thankful and enjoy the company of others and whatnot, right? It's like, that's the same message that I have this year, but it's very in your face when I say it the other way. It's trying to say, I think you should take your time that you have the power to do with as you please and do this with it instead of that. Why? Because I think it's so. That's a really selfish thing to say. So, I still have my views, I still have my opinions, but... You just, you realize... You, 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 you try to do this one thing, this one way, but it doesn't really... You have to look at it from a different angle sometimes. You know, maybe that's not the best way to go about doing things, or... Maybe it just doesn't work out that way. Like, I mean, I, I feel this is a feeling that I've had for a while, and it's one that I've, I've tried to fight because it's not a good one, and you try, to, you try not to legitimize it. You try not to even give it credibility, but when it doesn't go away and you keep noticing it, something's, something's up. Where, I mean, I don't know, I just have this feeling deep down, like everything's just... Like I'm watching the decline in real time. It's it's just a real thing. But I'm just... It feels like I'm watching a decline in just quality, uh, respect, maturity, civility, dignity, kindness. I feel like it's all... It's, it's fleeting. Everything is. And it's hard to see it any other way. I try to tell myself that that might not be the case. But then I, I even just go outside for even a few minutes, and then something happens. It's just hard not to. You ever get that, where you have a feeling about something, and you're trying to say, well, I don't know, maybe it's just... It, it, it's like it's a gut feeling, but... I try to dismiss it because maybe it's a something that I'm feeling, you know? Just because you're feeling something doesn't always mean that it's it's correct. It doesn't mean that it's uh, true or right or, or wrong. But sometimes we just feel things, but it's not really the case. So I'm trying to tell myself that this isn't, the, that this isn't how it is. That this feeling, and it's not a sense of urgency, mind you. It's, look, 
this feeling, it's like it's past that point. It's, it's the point of no return. We're past it. And now I'm just sitting here watching the, watching the, uh, the process. It's like a ship that's sinking and it's past that point where it could be bailed out, um, where the water can be taken out, that it can be fixed and patched up and set on its course. You know, you know what's, <clears throat> what's going to happen. It's going to go under. And there's nothing more that you can do. And it's like you could either A, get off the ship, or B, go down with it. And when it comes down to society, there's no way to get off that ship unless A, you isolate yourself completely, or B, you no longer exist. Either of those things, I don't advise one single bit. So then the only other thing you're given is to just watch it go down. But I don't know. I try to keep this missing that feeling, but it's 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 a tough one to dismiss when, again, you see it over and over and over again. I shrug my shoulders. Nothing I can do about it, but I think what those feelings have kind of led to is just this viewpoint where it's like, look, it is what it is. And I realize now that there are lots of people who they're just going to do whatever it is that they do. And nothing, nothing is going to ever change that. Uh, no impassioned lecture, no, no talk, nothing will. And the people who are willing to lend an ear, they're the good people. They, they already are listening. So it's like you see the divide between, it's one of two things. You have the people who have the good in them still and kind of have already changed or improved or at least have that spark to try to be a better person. They have that in them. Or you have the people, group B, who will never get that at all. And it's always going to be blocked out. It's going to be ineffectual. So at that point, you just kind of say to yourself, then what's, what does it matter anymore? Because while there are good people <clears throat> out there, we know that there are also forces that can't be changed. At, at least that any, any other person really can't change something. It has to come from within. And sometimes that will never materialize, so... Just a meandering philosophical lecture, but those are just some trains of thoughts that I've had. Not positive, but I wouldn't even say this is negative either. It's not even, it's just there. But sometimes that's how I've been feeling about the world lately, that, again, not, not, it's not about watching the world burn. It's just that, can anything really be salvaged anymore? Maybe, maybe it can. But just sometimes I try to look at things with those hopeful attitudes. Um, but then just on a day-to-day -day basis, it gets, it gets proven otherwise, so it seems. And it's not like you're just looking at the news or looking at social media, right? And you're seeing these cherry-picked examples of 
one of these negative things or another, because that's another thing, right? You look at certain media outlets, certain social media outlets, the worst naturally gets highlighted out and put on the pedestal for the sake of of viewership and entertainment. That's how it's always been. That's why you don't see too many positive stories on the news anymore, um, because the negative stuff is what people want to see, they want to hear. What gets those views, listens, clicks, etc. Audience size on the increase. So we know that that stuff is already, it's cherry-picked, but it's one thing if like that's all that you see and you never see the world for yourself, you never see it with your own two eyes, right? That's your reality. Then absolutely, it's very valid to say that how do you know that this is how the world really is when you've never even been exposed to it? Have you ever even seen these things, ever felt these things, ever experienced these things in person? Or is everything really fine on the outside and this is just a fake reality, a bubble that you put yourself in? You give the illusion that this is the way that it is, right? That's one thing. It's another if you even just go outside and then this happens to you. You see it, you bear witness to it with your own two eyes in the flesh, in person. Then you can see it on the news, online, on social media, all you want. But when it crosses that boundary from being something that's just in the the online world to being in the real world that impacts you directly, then it shows you how far gone, how widespread, and how real it really is. That it's not fear-mongering, that maybe it's just the way that it is. But... That stuff can really jade you. It, it, it can, it most certainly can. And it can turn the most optimistic individual into a, into a huge pessimist. And again, sometimes those things, they, they breed pessimistic thoughts. When all you see uh, is, is seemingly negativity, and you go out with a hopeful attitude... And every, every last time, all you see is the worst in people. Then how do those thoughts not carry over to your, out, uh, your overall outlook at society and start seeing it in a more negative and negative light? I try to balance out my outlook by saying, look, there's both good and bad in the world, though there's a lot more bad than I initially thought. But there's still good, too. There's still a lot of good people. Good things. Good places. That it's not all evil. That it's not all gone. So as a result, that's what I tell myself to counter uh, those, those kind of pessimistic viewpoints that, you know, maybe it's just best to just sit back and watch the world burn. Because it's not all, it's not all evil, it's not all bad, it's not all worth throwing away, throwing in the towel for. There's still good and things can still be changed for the better. Is it ever going to matter in the long run? We don't know. We, do, we, we have no clue, we don't know anything. 
but that's no reason to give up. So that's what I'll tell myself uh, sometimes when I look at the world and I kind of see it with this just darkened shroud over it. And it just gets reaffirmed. I just got to tell myself, yeah, but it's not all that way. Maybe it is getting worse. Maybe it's not. See, I always, I always keep that door open, too. Because we just don't know. One behavior that I've seen more and more is, like, it seems to me that an increasing number of people, it's like, I think this is how we've always been. But, again, it's something that I've, I've noticed. I enjoy intentionally going out of their way to inflict some sort of inconvenience upon others. For no reason whatsoever. I see this happen every single day. It happens to me all the time. Where it's like, I'm just going outside... And all of a sudden, someone just does something. It's like, I know they do this on purpose. To mess with you. It's like they do something intentionally to cause you an inconvenience. It's like, this is maybe a characteristic that a lot of people have. I don't know. I've never been that way. I'll never go out and say, I want to go F with this person uh, just because. I want to go and mess with them even though I know nothing about them, have no clue who they are, I'm just going to go do it anyway. I've never felt that way, but I just don't know what breeds those feelings inside so many people, because I see it uh, a lot. And I'm sure there's some cases where it's like, it'll be something that'll mess with you, but it's as done accidentally. That's one thing. I completely, I understand that. I know I've been guilty of that myself. I'm just not paying attention and I never mean any of the effects that would come about that. But then there's other individuals where you know if it's either repetitive or it's just something that to the extent that you know they're paying attention and that they're doing it on purpose. What breeds those feelings, those those actions? I have no clue. No idea. I wish I could say I knew, but I don't. <clears throat> so a few uh, a few miscellaneous thoughts. Let's adjust the microphone here. That's better. A few miscellaneous thoughts on Thanksgiving and really just the state of things overall. You can't shake that feeling. Sometimes you just sense it, and then you see things that affirm this. It's hard to not see it any other way. Um, but things just are how they are. But Sometimes you just, <laughs> yeah, I guess, look, the situation, things just are, are how they are. What can I do about it? So, there we, there we have it. You're listening in to VORW International, the voice of the Report of the Week. Your questions, your comments, your feedback, and your reception reports, all of them are welcome. VORW. I-N-F-O at gmail.com. That's V-O-R-W-I-N-F-O at gmail.com. Uh, if, you know, talk about anything that you want. If you want to talk about the state of things today, go right ahead. 
uh, if you want to go ahead and talk about the Thanksgiving dinner, uh, as I did ask that question, go ahead there. And if you just have any miscellaneous feedback for future shows, if you have any uh, any interesting conspiracy theories you want to share with me, I'm always interested in those. I've been doing some research with that stuff lately, too. Um, but if you have anything, anything you want to share, any anything at all, uh, by all means, go ahead. Uh, on a little brief update on things, I recently went ahead and did a listener survey. And, uh, you know, it's, it was all good for the most part. I sent it out on the social media. I was, uh, it's a listener survey in regards to the podcast and then the music show as well. And I was just, I had some questions. It was like, you know, do you listen regularly? Um, which show is your favorite? You know, by what means do you listen? And then I also leave some room for just some open-ended correspondence as well, but no, so far so good. I mean, about a couple thousand responses, which is great. And of course, now comes the the task of sorting through all the correspondence, because there is a way you can see the summary of it. So you can say, right, let's say 75% of respondents uh, said this, and so on and so forth. But... Sometimes I like seeing the individual responses themselves, so you can kind of tie certain comments to certain listening habits, etc. So I just like going through them one by one, but doing these surveys is a great way to just see what's going on, touch base with the listening audience, and yeah, just, just understand how things are, the state of things with this show. So always enjoyable to do. If you do want a, a copy of the survey... It's anonymous, completely. I'm not collecting your data. I don't want your information. I don't want any names, any email addresses. I don't want any of that. I don't even ask where anyone is from. Only thing I ask is what age range you fit into, and you could even just say, I don't want to answer that, and that's completely fine. So I don't want your, your personal info. I'm not out to do that. I, I, don't, I don't believe in that stuff. So it's completely anonymous. And uh, if you want it, though, I will provide a link to it in the description, in the comments. And if you're okay with sending in an email, I can personally send it to you. Uh, you can send an email to v-o-r-w-i-n-f-o at gmail.com. Again, just an anonymous survey. Very, very short. It can be over in 30 seconds, or you can take some more time with it. But just getting the basics down. But those surveys, again, very, very useful last one I did was in April, so I said, well, I think it's time to make the rounds again and uh, send out a new one. So we got that done, and uh, <clears throat> and that'll be good. That'll work out nicely. Also, on another note, just on a... Uh, well, I haven't talked about it in a while. If you're ever interested in advertising on the show, it's always welcome, always open. Uh, I'm, I have... You could advertise anything you want at this point. Uh, it doesn't. It doesn't matter anymore. Anything you want, uh, anything, anything at all, no restrictions anymore. So, if there's anything you want to advertise, you want to advertise your music, your YouTube channel. Uh, if you have a product, a service, if you're selling men's neckwear, if you're selling health supplements, uh, gear for survivalists, if you're selling shortwave radios or dinner plates used cars or anything in between. It doesn't matter. Uh, send in an email if you want to get the word out about your product, your service, uh, or your social media presence. 
I'd be happy to work with you. V-O-R-W-I-N-F-O at gmail.com. Advertise anything. Uh, it's open. I've even I've lowered the price even more so. I think it's going to be some really prime, optimal airtime that's opening up for you. Something, something you're interested in anyway. Consider it a holiday discount. Best you're ever going to get. And of course, if you'd want to support this show via more conventional means, uh, go right ahead. Please consider a donation via PayPal to V-O-R-W-I-N-F-O at gmail.com or via Patreon at patreon.com slash the report of the week. So with that, we will go over to the open lines uh, mailbag part of the show. And uh, let's just see. You know, usually I'll try to be a little more organized than I am right now. Usually I'll try to go ahead and, you know, I'll, I'll outline the emails that I want to talk about, um, but I have not done that, so we're just going to literally open up the inbox and just let, let's go through it. Let's see what, well, what it is that we have, and uh, we'll just go from there. So, of course, we do have some thoughts on COPPA. Right there, the Children's Online Privacy Protection Act. And you know what? If you made it through this far, I think let's. I'll, I'll give you my completely unfiltered thoughts on it. Uh, we know that it's by the television industry, right? That's what it's about. It's about killing YouTube. Uh, because you look at some, you know, videos that get... They get so many millions of views, and... You compare that to a high-budget television production that only gets a fraction of that. You better believe the TV industry, number one, it's been in decline for a while. Um, but YouTube has been a major contributor in that. The television industry is really, really pissed off right now. And they're getting desperate. They're getting angry. And it's showing right now. They've got the federal government with them. And this is what they're doing. They're going to try and just suppress it, shut it down, and uh, take everyone down with them, myself included. Don't be surprised if things get really, really crazy starting in 2020. And you know what? Hey, guess what? Someone on the listenership survey said that they're 12 years old, so I hope, guess what? Can't have this show on YouTube anymore because it's obviously made for kids because one single kid listened in, right? That's the way that it goes now. That's the new, that's the new normal. I don't know if it'll get that crazy, but the ambiguity of it uh, should send the chills down anyone's spine. The fact that they're kind of saying, well, uh, we'll take a look and we'll find you if, if we want to. Really just comes down to, to how I think, what I think it is. Scary though, very, very scary. Only, only thing I can see changing one day is if the advertisers ever realize they're not, once all the channels that they used to advertise on get either taken down or put in the, the restricted area and no one can ever see them again and they're losing revenue so they move back to TV and they're not making the kind of profit that they did on YouTube, maybe then the legislation will change, because that's the only thing that seems to ever, ever, ever get anything done anymore, is, you know, those who have money, that's it, the big corporations, but anyone else can get stepped on, and squashed, 
and everyone will just look the other way and not not do anything. But that's what it is. Look, it's it's never been about the kids. It's and it's disappointing. It makes me sad because the kids should be protected. So many terrible things going on, but you know it. We see it. And uh look, just brace yourself. That's all that I can say. Get ready. It's going to be very very interesting when New Year's rolls around. But either way, I'm I'm saying, look, this show isn't for kids. If if you're a kid, uh, you know, for the sake of things, this isn't meant for you. I know that's kind of rude to say, but you know, what else can I do? Same thing with the food reviews. It's not meant for kids. Was never meant for kids. This show most certainly isn't either. And as such, they'll be marked as not meant for kids, and hopefully. They're not going to go after and, and find me, but we'll just see what happens. But either way, I digress. I got... It's, it's still just... It's disgusting. That's all that there is. It's disgusting. It's the FTC. It's not YouTube doing this. That's... You know, their hand is being forced in this case. Anyway, email is open, like I said. V-O-R-W-I-N-F-O at gmail.com. And uh, we have a few pieces of feedback. Let's just get to whatever we can. There was a good email that came in uh, from a listener who uh, would prefer to remain anonymous and just not have the email read in in exact words. Um, But it just essentially says, very qualified and knowledgeable in regards to the uh, COPPA legislation, uh, worked with various uh, think tanks and groups in D.C. And it's just, it's a terrible, terrible idea. Very poorly implemented. Infringes your rights. Could be very draconian. And it's very clear that the people have no clue what really goes on behind closed doors and don't know what the government's really up to. It was a very good email, but I respect, of course, our listeners' privacy, and uh, it's just really scary when you really see what's going on. Ernest has a few uh, thoughts on COPPA as well. He says, I hate it. It was the straw that broke the camel's back for me when it came to making videos for YouTube. When I found out about COPPA, I spent that night cursing YouTube and the federal government. Uh, Once I was done, I terminated my gaming channel. I wouldn't categorize my stuff uh, that child-friendly, but much of the content on that channel was game reviews. I thought I was just overreacting at first, but I later found out I saved my own behind. If I kept my channel up and continued to upload, I know for certain I was not going to make my channel child-friendly, and under COPPA they deem video games kid-friendly. Now, they didn't specify the type of video games, uh, which I can say as a 28-year-old male, I only played and reviewed games uh, that were mature, but look, that doesn't matter under COPPA. I decided that doing YouTube as a creator just wasn't worth it anymore. I already stopped uh, receiving ad revenue because of the adpocalypse, and then this happened. I figured it's obvious. It's just not an avenue for creators like myself that I should just use it as a viewer. I'm not trying to get fined 42k that I don't have, 
just because I didn't label my channel child-friendly, and a video game review of mine had gameplay in it. Hope it makes it your way, and again, I enjoy the podcast especially. Hope your holidays and new year are fantastic. So thank you so much, Ernest. I'm really sorry that this happened to you. I mean, it's just, you know, it's things like these that make my blood boil, you know? You know I'm strongly against it. You know that. You know I'm all about. Should be able to have your privacy, your rights, but saying that this is the answer to it is just utterly ridiculous. And I'm sorry. I'm sorry that it had to end this way. You know, when you start a YouTube channel, I think a lot of people, at least, they try to have high hopes for it. They want to make something out of it. I advocate that. I say doesn't even need to be a big audience, but the fact that it's getting out to someone is a wonderful thing. And, you know, not even to be discouraged by the small numbers. But then when the federal government comes in and literally takes it from you, you know, I understand. I understand your frustration. You're like, what's the point anymore? I don't have this money. If they find me like this, what can I do? I'm just, I'm sorry that you had to just shut it down like that, but, I mean, again, I don't have a crystal ball. I don't know what's going to happen when New Year rolls around, and what are they going to do? Are they just going to start killing everything off left and right, or is it going to be a much more slower approach? Is it just going to be here and there? Is it just going to be ineffectual and nothing's going to change? We don't know, but... Again, we gotta we gotta keep our eyes on this because YouTube is big. Uh, YouTube is far bigger than the television industry uh, ever will be. Once again, it's YouTube is the new TV. But you know, obviously, we'll just see what happens. So thank you again very much for your correspondence. Going over to Valerie, she says, uh, "Have you watched Twin Peaks?" Could you say something about it on your next podcast? No, I've never watched uh, Twin Peaks. I know they always compare me to the one, uh, the one character on Twin Peaks. I really gotta watch it, though. I really got to. They always say I look like Agent Dale Cooper. <laughs> Which I, I, I'm looking at that right now. I can, I can see why. I don't think I look like him. He's got, he's got good facial structure. But, you know, hair is kind of, he's kind of going more... Not like a pompadour, but he's got more volume in his hair, right? Like just, you know, more more flat down. I just like it out of the way. But I've heard a lot of good things about Twin Peaks, and I'll have to watch it. I'll have to watch it at some point. I think it's on Netflix, so be able to check that out if I wanted to. Alex in Philadelphia says, uh, I listen to your show all the time. And uh, just really enjoys all the feedback, too. But he wants to get into shortwave, which, again, I I recommend you see what's going on with the internet, and it's just a good, handy medium to have, at least on hand as a backup, if nothing else. Um, But anyway, he says, after the latest uh, episode, I am just have a few questions. I want to get a Texo and a PL380, but since I live in the city, I'm nervous that the reception won't be great. Uh, Should I get an additional shortwave antenna, and set something up outside, are there any programs you would recommend? So, number one, uh, the Texun, I believe it was a PL380 that you were interested in, is a really good radio, and it's a, it's a good one for starters. 
everyone has their uh, preferences, of course. But it really is a good starter radio. I've gotten so many people who have uh, bought in that radio, have purchased it, really. And uh, they've, they've just always been satisfied with it. So number one, it's a good radio. Number two, I would recommend uh, getting a shortwave antenna for it. Because, you know, it has the little the, the telescoping, the whip antenna, you know, the built-in one. And that will pick up the strong stations. Um, but obviously, having one... And there's two on the uh, Amazon page that work out, you know, for me anyway. Uh, the Kato T1 radio antenna. Or the Sanjian, that's S-A-N-G-E-A-N. ANT60 antenna. Uh, either one of those, they're, they're, they're cheap, they're like 12, 13 bucks, but uh, those will boost reception greatly. They do a good job. I use uh, one of these wire antennas as well, and I mean, when you think of an antenna, right, you think of this big metal thing, etc. Uh, these do not look like that. It's just a tiny little black wire, and that's it. Um, but it works. That's the antenna. And what you sh but the best way to use it is uh, you either plug the one end of the antenna into a little jack on the side of the radio, or there's something you can attach to it. It 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 works. There's a way to get it connected always. And then you just take this wire. And the best way to do is number one, if there's a way you can get this wire outside. Literally, just put it outside. Uh, extend it and put the wire outside, and that'll work. Otherwise, put it near your windows, and uh, it will boost reception. Uh, I, I'm, I'm thankful enough to have a decent enough reception on the shortwave where I am, just with the radio itself. Um, but even then, you know, I have a wire antenna hooked up outside... I feed it in through the window inside so I can, you know, I don't have to go outside to listen to anything. But when I connect the wire antenna, then I'm able to get all the stations that I like listening to, right, with a better signal. I'm able to hear, though, some stations further away uh, that just might not come in otherwise, even if reception is good. And it's really ideal for being able to hear some you know, more far away stations that can be cool to listen to. I mean, the other day, uh, I was able to pick up the voice of Nigeria uh, in English on 11,770 kilohertz in the afternoon, and it was just coming in really, really strong. So uh, some English language broadcasts from Nigeria, which is just cool. You know, it's a station I would never hear or listen to otherwise. I was able to listen to them uh, one evening... I was able to pick up all of these uh, stations out of China, uh, China National Radio, which are made for a domestic audience over there. Uh, but of course, with the distance, in some parts of the world, you hear it, you know, nonstop because there's so many shortwave stations in China because uh, lots and lots of people still listen to the radio over there. Um, but they were able to make it over here, and I uh, was able to get some good reception all the way from, from China, which was nice. Radio New Zealand is a favorite. Uh, and of course, I, I enjoy listening uh, to the domestic radio stations on shortwave. 
Two other stations that are good are, uh, yeah, again, the domestic ones, WRMI, uh, which has more like uh, international broadcasters that buy airtime off of them. Uh, My show is on them. Some interesting programs there. And I also like WWCR. They uh, have a good signal. And uh, my show is also there. Uh, But they also air a lot of interesting, uh, just alternative programs, uh, conspiracy theory stuff. uh, Just, you know, stuff that could be very interesting to listen to. Might not agree with all of it, but can make for some some interesting shows either way. Um, But both of those have a lot to offer. And uh, mostly you just have to sift through things sort through and just see what calls out to you. Ethan in Connecticut, checking in. Uh, He said, I enjoyed the show, and uh, the thoughts on Capo were interesting. In regards to your question, my favorite Star Wars movie uh, would be either The Empire Strikes Back or Return of the Jedi. As a kid, it used to be Revenge of the Sith, um, because I thought the fight scene between Anakin and Obi-Wan at the end of the film was cool. But now looking at the movies with a more developed idea of what makes a good movie, my favorite is definitely one of the two aforementioned. Uh, While Empire is widely regarded as the best movie because of its compelling character arcs and much darker and more serious story compared to A New Hope, I always enjoyed uh, Jedi just as much. In particular, I love the whole throne room scene between uh, Vader, Luke, and Palpatine toward the end of the film. Uh, Though some have claimed the movie tried too hard to appeal to kids, uh, the Ewoks being Exhibit A in that claim, I've always found the scenes of them to be endearing. So uh, thank you, Ethan. I enjoy your your feedback there. And uh, Empire Strikes Back is definitely one of the more more serious films, that's for sure. I, I understand what some people mean when they say, like, the Ewoks are trying to, you know, appear to appeal to kids. I guess... Guess that was child directed right there. It was meant for kids. Um, I could, I had, I had to, I had to. Uh, but yeah, it's. Uh, I, I like them all. Though I would probably say out of those two, Empire Strikes Back is is probably my favorite. Now Dano is checking in, and again, I respect all opinions, so let's go for it. Uh, says uh, I think the COPPA legislation and settlement with YouTube and Google doesn't go far enough. Uh, the protection of personal privacy and the ability to not be bombarded with personalized advertisements should be given to everyone. Uh, furthermore, it should not be legal to require access to a user's private data as the only means to access a website. Uh, the exchange is always unequal in that the value of the personal data is worth more than the content consumed by the customer. And data can be sold to an infinite number of buyers at varying prices, while the content will always be consumed uh, just once by the consumer. There are several politicians pushing for data to be treated with uh, property rights. Imagine if you compiled all the data that Facebook, Google, Amazon, Netflix, and Apple have on you, and calculated how much money they made selling ads directed specifically to you. Your data is making them rich, and you should have a cut of that, or at least be able to opt out of the process completely and simply pay for their services. That's from Dano. I appreciate your thoughts, Dano. Problem is that, the, in my opinion anyway, the way that just, you know, 
the system uh, works. Even if that was done, you know, a cut of it would never be given back to you. You know, they, they keep it all. Uh, though I do agree with you, you know, your data, your personal information, all of that is uh, just such an important thing, in my opinion. And I think so many of us, I know I have, we've just accepted things the way that they are. It's like it's, no, that privacy doesn't exist anymore. That's all that there is. It doesn't. It should, and I mean, then, and again, I don't, again, I was saying earlier in the show, you can do anything that you want, um, but I mean, you see, like, the Amazon Alexa devices, I don't think I will ever have one of those. Uh, I just, I don't, it scares me, quite frankly. I know that a lot of people like them and that they can be pretty popular, but it just scares me, the, the fact that now all of a sudden they're doing literally everything for us and you, you're inviting it into your house. I don't know, just those types of devices just really unnerved me and I'll be, I'll be happy to walk the extra few steps and turn the lights on and off on my own and just Google something. I mean, Googling something is easy enough as it is, but now I guess we'll just get this to do it for us. I don't know, I just have a lot of worry with, with those devices, but I don't have anything against you if you have one. That's your, that's your personal choice. You have free will, and uh, exercise it as you wish. Uh, we have an anonymous listener also checking in, uh, said, can you provide a comment on the green children of Woolpit? Uh, absolutely, that's a very interesting uh, story right there, the green children of Woolpit. So it's a legend uh, dealing, I guess it's, it's actually going all the way back to uh, the 12th century England, uh, Woolpit in, in Suffolk, England. And apparently it's just the fact that these two children, uh, brother and sister, appeared out of nowhere. I mean, granted, things were very rural back then, right? Not, not very developed, so there was a lot of open land, uh, agrarian communities. And these two children, brother and sister, uh, normal appearance except that their skin was green. And they spoke in an unknown language and would only eat raw, uh, broad beans, which are just, you know, like a little, little beans. So, of course, I mean, very, very odd. Right there, you have these two kids that are, obviously, who has green skin? No one. And they don't speak in any sort of known language. They only eat this certain thing. Eventually, they were accepted into the community taken care of. They weren't just killed on the spot or anything. They learned to eat other food, and they lost their green skin color. But the boy, I guess maybe he just wasn't used to the food or whatever. Obviously, health conditions back then were not good either. Uh, was sickly, and he died pretty quickly. Um, but his sister, the girl, she did adjust to her new life, but uh, was considered to be, quote, rather loose and wanton in her conduct, and quote, so take that as you will. But after learning to speak English, she explained that uh, her and her brother came from St. Martin's land, a subterranean world inhabited by green people. Now, it's really interesting to think about whether it's real or not, or whatever that ended up being. I think it's fascinating to think about, and 
I, I always enjoy this so much. Like, the fact that this could have possibly happened, like, there were multiple accounts of it, uh, you know, what really happened, where they really came from, uh, if this did materialize, just fascinating when you think about all the possibilities. Now, I don't think there is any sort of subterranean world, um, but and that also leads me into the hollow earth theory, which I think is, is <laughs> I say kind of sarcastically, far superior to flat earth, mind you, uh, neither of which I prescribe to. I believe that the earth is spherical, but hollow earth is a, that's another fascinating one, and you can kind of, if you ever want to, you can tie these two hand in hand, and you can say that if hollow earth does exist, and there is another world inside of earth, and then they could have, of course, emerged from there. But if you ever want to read about Hollow Earth, yeah, you have to look up uh, Richard Byrd, that's B-Y-R-D, very, very decorated individual, American naval officer, explorer, uh, full-blown admiral. So obviously many would deem him as a, a pretty trustworthy source. Uh, back in the 1920s, he claimed, uh, as he was flying up to the North Pole, uh, to have entered Hollow Earth and flew around in this mysterious land uh, with uh, different populations, uh, that a lot of the Pleistocene megafauna, like the uh, woolly mammoths, still existed, were still around. I say either way, it's fascinating reading material, but if that's something that you're interested in, uh, one thing leads to another. Start off with the green children, read about that, and then just start looking up hollow earth, because I think compared to flat earth, which is just kind of saying, ah, it's flat and that's it, hollow earth is far more interesting, right? The fact that that, that theory would, would propose that there's a completely, <laughs> there's a world inside of this world under our feet, there's potential that there might have been crossover and expeditions from one into the other. If you have nothing better to do and you want to kill some time, read about it, and it's just it'll make for some entertainment. Um, but that's a fascinating thing, and I always love reading these these old experiences, these old encounters back from those days. Just some fascinating things, I must say. This is the kind of stuff that just that captivates, you know. So if anyone has any other topics like that, feel free to just send them in, suggest them if you wish. One thing that always gets me is, I mean, when you talk about things inside the Earth, uh, one thing I remember seeing in the news a while back, this is years ago, but still makes you think, I remember that they were saying that there might be a massive, massive subterranean oceans you know, many miles below our feet. But it's it's possible that there might be more water than all of the oceans combined in the Earth itself. Again, it's these massive underwater oceans that are just too far down for us to reach uh, with our current technology at this point, or if we just don't want to, it's not economically uh, feasible, who's to say? But I don't know, maybe maybe there is, to think that there might be these giant oceans, you know, I don't know if they would be sloshing around, but definitely down there. Eh, just interesting, interesting to think about either way.
Of course, you have the underground aquifers, but this would be different. This is, you know, again, there's a difference between the aquifers and something that's like uh, the Pacific Ocean, right? Who's to say? Might have been disproven by now, but still interesting to think about anyway, an interesting concept. <laughs> Howie is uh, checking in, just says, how are you not fat? Seriously, how are you not fat? We see what you eat. Plus, it sounds like you go to Starbucks frequently. What gives? Are you some kind of Superman? Is that what it is? Uh, well, here, here's the deal. Here's what it... Here's the answer to it. There's this one item from Steak and Shake. And it's a dreaded item, but it's one that's talked about from time to time. And people try to discourage you from getting it. And it's called the 7x7. Seven seven. There's a top bun... There's a bottom bun, seven beef patties, lots of cheese, slice of cheese between each patty, you name it. And you know, the, the phrase is curiosity killed the cat. You're thinking about it, you research it, you know what it is, you know that it's there, you know that you can get it if you want, but should you, right? It's there, but should I? Nothing's stopping me. I have free will. I can pay for it. Maybe I'll do it. And it was that contemplation. Yet once the idea is there, the spark is lit. And it's only a matter of time. It's a powder keg ready to go off. You dismiss it for a little bit. But then it comes back. It's, it's a recurrent, not intrusive, but it's just a recurrent thought. You dismiss it, you say, no, I don't want to. I don't I don't know what's gonna happen to me if I eat this. I don't know what's gonna what what what's gonna happen. I don't want to. I I value my life too much. But then it comes back. Yeah, but it's there. Seven by seven. And eventually it fully ignites and you cave in. You give in, and before you know it, you're there. There's no turning back now. And when I went in and they, they asked me what I wanted, I remember the guy called over the manager because it was like he didn't want to, to complete this order. He didn't want to actually send this to the kitchen and give this to me. It was like he feared for my life too. That made me sign a little waiver. It was like, you know, uh, whatever, if this gives me a heart attack, if I don't die or something, right? They're not responsible. This is my fault. I know what I'm getting myself into, and I am 100% responsible for this. And I guess I was supposed to be like, for people who might have had second thoughts on wanting to get this thing, right, they didn't, they were trying to say, maybe this will discourage them, maybe this will make them turn back and realize what they might be doing to themselves. But because of what had happened before, because I'd been fighting those thoughts, but I was, I was already past the point of no return. I was there. I was ready for this. Yeah, I wasn't really thinking straight. I just said, forget about the consequences. I'm getting the 7x7 seven seven, uh, burger from Steak and Shake. So they brought out this towering thing. It was like in a pool of grease. I mean, you should have seen the thing. And I, I get it. I had to squash it down, right? Because, of course, there's no way I was going to be able to eat that thing in one bite with my my jaw the way it is. I squashed it down, you know. I mean, that's what I was trying to do, like, in the review 
for the KFC chicken and waffles. I was trying to squash it down a little bit so I could eat it in one bite. But granted, you know, for the review, you still got to make it presentable, right? This time around, it was just for me. So the fact of the matter is that it didn't matter what it ended up looking like. That thing was going to be consumed by me no matter what. So I squashed it down, you know, first, like, with my hands, I pressed it down. I was getting the grease everywhere, but I said, you know, I can excuse myself to the bathroom if I want. It's no big deal. And now it's not like a pancake, but it's definitely more manageable. But I wanted to go further. And I got the knife and fork. I pressed down on it. I was smashing it in. Then from the other side, it's like a trash compactor, you know? And I was making it smaller and smaller and smaller. And I kept going. More and more, smaller and smaller. I wanted it to be nearly microscopic. And then something strange happened. You know, I was making it even smaller still, but all of the weight, all of the mass that was behind it started having a very strange reaction. And what eventually happened was that it ended up being so small, but still containing so much mass that it became a micro black hole. I ate it, and nothing's ever been the same since then. So there you go. Hope that answered your question, and on to the next we go. Uh, we've got one from Matthew, also related to shortwave, but this one will be an easy one. Uh, he just says, I've been a long-time listener, and I want to uh, purchase a shortwave radio. Uh, to make the switch, and I want to listen to shortwave and also to some local sports on the AM, and uh, I don't know if I should get the Texun PL660 or the Texun PL880. Uh, many people say that the speaker on the 880 is better, but the 660 picks up the signals better. Uh, again, also, he, he asked if I would uh, recommend buying an antenna, and, and yes, indeed, but... I suggest you just take a look at the ones I recommended earlier. Those apply to that as well. Uh, in regards to the radios, I would recommend the 660. I think it does do a good job picking up signals. And the speaker in it is not bad at all. It's never given me any problems, never given me any issues. And uh, it's just, it's never caused me any trouble. It's a little cheaper than the 880, and uh, it's just so durable too. So... I would recommend the 660. I mean, 880 is a little bit of an improvement. It's nothing life-changing, nothing earth-shattering. But if you want to fork over some extra cash and get the 880, uh, go for it. But otherwise, I think the Texan PL660 will suffice. And of course, if anyone wants to get a shortwave radio, uh, if you have any questions about it, send in an email to v-o-r-w-i-n-f-o at gmail.com. Also, of course, uh, any random feedback on the show, V-O-R-W-I-N-F-O at gmail.com. So feel free to send it in, but I'll be happy to uh, recommend you a radio. And of course, uh, there might be some really good Black Friday deals coming up. So uh, this might be the time. If you are considering getting a radio, you might get one at all-time low prices. So, hey, it's something if you're interested in it, check it out now, uh, to finish off the show, we will go over to a few audio recordings. Uh, the first one is from Patrick, who says, I thought of a potential restructuring of the copper problem at hand 
It's not perfect, but I think it's a better solution to what's currently in place. So this is from Patrick. Hey, John. Uh, my name is Patrick, calling in from Toronto. I thought I'd toss a different approach to copper regulations your way. I believe you are rightfully upset. And it really makes no sense to me that content creators are punished for collecting data from children when they really don't get any benefit whatsoever from collecting said data from any viewer other than maybe demographic data. This data collection really only benefits YouTube as a company and its advertisers, so perhaps YouTube should rethink everything and maybe place the regulations on the user side of things, and thus my alternative solution. So let's say someone younger than 13 makes an account. They punch in their date of birth as part of the account creation process, YouTube should recognize that and make it so the user, personally, doesn't have access to the data collecting features mentioned in your past broadcast, on any video on the entire platform. Of course, you know, you could easily lie and provide a different birthday. I mean, I used to do that on age-restricted websites when I was young. You know, this way, it's on the user and not the content creator. You know, perhaps if the user is caught, the parents or guardians could be fined. You know, maybe that seems kind of cruel. Um, and I don't think the fine should be as steep as it is, of course. But this would force parents to have a more careful eye on what their children get up to online which I do think is becoming increasingly more important. There are countless dangers online, and it's my belief that parents and guardians need to be keeping a more watchful eye on the youth's internet consumption, regardless of this COPPA stuff. I look forward to hearing your further thoughts on this matter. Have a good one. So I have some interesting feedback from Patrick. Uh, interesting how you propose... Uh, in regards to COPPA, that it, you know, like you said, would, would go out, um, perhaps, and find the parents, which is interesting. I think one thing that you said that definitely, if that ever were implemented, uh, that would ring true, is that it would definitely, once money gets involved, they would really start getting a more careful eye on how things are with their kids. Hi, I just wanted to drop a quick note and opinion about your last week's podcast about COPA, um, about some of the things you said and about how I viewed um, them a little differently. Um, I think that content creators are more worried than um, actual parents. And it seemed to me that the real goal, or the uh, I'm sorry, the real harm will be from parents who use their kids to make profit. I think that market uh, on YouTube is really the one that will disappear fastest. If parents are using their kids um, to make videos um, for profit on YouTube, then uh, they're the ones that will go away fastest, um, or they'll 
just have to go to you, uh, YouTube for kids. So the other thing is if you make content for kids, you're going to have to go to YouTube for kids. And I think that the other problem is that having kids have their online privacy, whatever that means that you can't, YouTube cannot collect data from 12 year olds. How do you know that a 12 year old is using the phone or the desktop? How, how do we know that? Well, what they're saying is that your content can't be designated for 12 year olds so that they don't find it. Well, it's all going to shift over to YouTube for kids. And I think that as long as you're making content um, targeted towards adults, I don't really think you have as much to worry about unless you're in a very gray area like, I don't know, toy trains as a hobby. But um, also, I think your being upset because all you want to do is make videos and it's not fair that YouTube is making you do this. You have to look at it from YouTube's point of view as YouTube pays for the hosting and serving of your content, which you don't pay for. You get for free. YouTube pays for that in two ways, with advertising, targeted advertising and the way they tar use targeted advertising is by data mining and so that data that they collect on users is valuable enough to YouTube to offset the costs of serving the content and hosting it. So you're getting a free service and they're putting this restriction on you, not you personally, but content creators so that if if they can't mine your data through your content, there there's no reason for them to host you for free. So what? Why should they host content that they can't make money off of? That that's really what's going to happen to all the child oriented content. And uh, that that's just my two cents on that. And uh, I just wanted to kind of clarify that. I might be wrong. If if I am, you can clarify where I am on that. So uh, thanks a lot. And thank you, Shane. Very interesting uh, thoughts right there. One thing that sometimes we do lose sight of is that, yes, you know, YouTube is a great opportunity. And yeah, the fact is, right, we don't have to pay the cost uh, to maintain everything, to host the videos. And sometimes if you're lucky, you even get paid for it. So that is a great opportunity, but you're right. That is one of the biggest reasons uh, why the targeted advertising, right, is so important in the grand scheme of things. But either way, I do think, like you were saying, those channels where they show out their kids like that, which many of those are awful, and the kids don't have any say in it, uh, the kids are usually miserable. They don't want to even be in this, but, you know, they're making mommy and daddy a lot of money, so they just got to suck it up and deal with it. And sometimes it's to, the, it's to the point where it's near abuse. Probably full-blown, honestly, but let's not even talk about when the cameras are off. But what you see, some of it just disgusts me. Yes, I do. That is very, very vile in and of itself. And uh, either way, those those types of channels, of course, 
the ones that I would consider illegitimate, the ones that just, you know, do these horrible misdeeds with their kids, I hope those things get taken down so fast. Um, if anything is going to come of this, at least I hope that they get, they go down with the ship as well. Um, but sometimes, of course, you get an actual happy family that really just wants to make some content together. They'll get unfairly uh, punished as well because it is kid-directed, but yeah, interesting thoughts. And now to conclude the broadcast, let's go over to a few thoughts from Amy in the UK. Um, yeah, I wanted to talk about the the COPA, the FTC. Um, me being a little creator myself, you know, I'm only, you know, only 20 subscribers, you know, it isn't much, but I'm just a beginner. And again, I like expressing how I feel, just talking about myself and I'm, I'm and again I'm only you know just over 18 you know and and I feel like I I like will want to start doing anime more or drawing anime you know I like drawing um and now because of all this I now feel like I cannot do it and it goes towards everyone you know for these beginners Obviously, there's so much to it because you got the bigger YouTubers that this is going to infect their, you know, they could go bankrupt, they'll lose income, you know, that's the issue for them, you know, and they they've lost the they're going to lose a thing they love doing, you know, their hobby, what they've what they've built up themselves, you know, what they've achieved, what they've worked for, you know, and for me, I again I just want to do it as a hobby, you know, I wanted to start you know, just to upload stuff, just to start drawing, you know, it's nice to have a little, tiny little audience just to watch you or to, to, to talk to you, and I like, you know, it's nice, to, it's nice, you know, and then suddenly it's like, bam, it's getting taken away from you, and to me, this is, <sighs> it really upsets me, like everybody else, because, you know, I feel like the bigger YouTubers in are not addressing it, they're not, you know, they're not taking it seriously, they may not be, they might have just scratched off and said, you know, whatever, you know, let's see what happens, and we're freaking out about it, it is scary, yes, I would admit, and I'm, and I'm only, you know, I'm only small, I have 20 subscribers, that's nothing, you know, and that still makes me scared, because now, I feel, okay, well, I cannot draw anime, I cannot draw anything, because it's going to be appealing to kids, so what's, what's the point of me doing that? I, gotta look at my options I either gotta remove my videos or just talk about myself which could still point child appealing somehow you know it's just risky and I it's not worth the fine you know like you said it's not worth it so what do I do you know I want to draw it's so difficult to do it on Instagram other things like that and I'm sorry if I sound like I'm ranting or I'm or it's just because I'm upset you know I'm upset I've just started and now it's been taken away and thank you very much for your thoughts very very interesting to listen to and uh, you raised you definitely you raised some good points there uh, one thing of course I hope that your channel no matter what happens it could be very discouraging right with these new regulations coming in, uh, again, I know that, like, animators, drawers, uh, you name it, artists, it's like you're getting punished for this, too, and they don't seem to care. Uh, either way, regardless of it, 
uh, is on YouTube or if it's on another platform, don't uh, don't give that up. Don't give up uh, those creative pursuits, uh, the desire to you know express yourself through those ways, uh, to draw, to make that art, uh, no matter what happens and where you have to host it or what you want to do with it. No, don't 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 give up. Keep it going. And any creators out there, stay strong through this. We don't know what's going to happen, um, but we just have to wait and see and really keep our fingers crossed for the best. So with that, I will be wrapping up today's broadcast. Just some random discussion, and if you have any emails you want to contribute to any discussion uh, for next week, as always, feel free to send in your feedback, v-o-r-w-i-n-f-o at gmail.com. Thanksgiving thoughts or miscellaneous comments, conspiracy theories, or thoughts on what's going on in the world around us today, V-O-R-W-I-N-F-O at gmail.com. Support this broadcast by donating via PayPal to V-O-R-W-I-N-F-O at gmail.com or via Patreon at patreon.com slash the report of the week. And if you want to advertise, no restrictions, and a really good price, uh, send me an email, contact me, love to work with you, V-O-R-W-I-N-F-O at gmail.com. With that, thank you for listening, and do take care. We'll see you next week in December. Till then, take care. This is V-O-R-W.